1: Welcome to the Learning Unlocked Podcast, presented by Open Sesame. Taking a deep dive into the global world of learning and development with practical tips and tricks, along with insights from leading brands and the people that make them work. This is Learning Unlocked. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. My guest is Pam Conway. She is the Chief Learning Officer of Intellezzi and She has been with the company for many years. She has over 25 years of experience in the technical education field. Pam, thanks for joining us on the Learning Unlock podcast. How are you?
0: I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Why don't you tell us how you got into learning and and a little bit about your background?
0: Sure. So I uh, graduated from college in the early 90s uh, with a liberal arts degree, and uh, funny enough, Uh, people didn't think that I was qualified to do anything. So I ended up uh, uh, attempting for a a company that was in the corporate education space, specifically in computer training. And uh, I was answering phones at the desk and uh, the owner said, "I, I really need somebody to work on this computer training manual. Do you think you want to give it a shot? And rent was due. So I said, sure, I'll give it a whirl. And it turned out that I had a natural talent for technical writing. And uh, shortly after that, she said, I think you'd be great in the classroom. So I said, all right, well, I'll be willing to give it a try. She said, why don't you come and, you know, just do one lesson and we'll just try it out. So I went and did one lesson. And in the middle of that one lesson, she walked out of the classroom and didn't come back. <laughs> so I had to finish finish the class. And that was, that was sort of my start. But it, it was one of those... Um, happy accidents that turned out to lead to a great and fulfilling career. So I'm eternally grateful to her. Peg Grimes was her name.
1: How have you transitioned from the classroom to the virtual learning space?
0: We were fortunate in that at IntelliZ, we started to make that transition um, a while back. And we did it in two ways. One was we had already started using some of the virtual meeting spaces to deliver virtual trainings. Uh, And that really was driven by economic needs for companies. You know, they had dispersed geographically uh, workforces, so it was more cost effective to do it that way. And we had started to move into productizing our live delivery with videos. So we would use the videos, you know, to sort of get baseline training done. And then we would come in and do some customized training in person or virtual that was more company specific and that seemed to work really well. So it really kind of teed us up for some great success uh, once the pandemic hits.
1: Yeah. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about uh Ezi and, and what you specialize in specifically?
0: So I always describe us as a learning and development product and services company. So our product is our, e-lear- our e-learning videos, the videos that we make in our professional studio up here in Massachusetts, those are designed to be short in nature. So they run typically between two to five minutes. So really sort of two and a half, three minutes is kind of the sweet spot. And individuals could watch those alone standalone so each short segment video will teach you something either about a technology skill or a business skill but we also collect several and in some cases several dozen of the videos together to combine a larger course in the event somebody is looking to learn something more programmatically so they can be used in both ways And then on top of that, we also have our services, which revolve around live training, live customized training. It also can include customized e-learning. So companies that want something very specific for their environment or an application that's very unique to them. Uh, And the two really complement each other. Oftentimes we will arrive with our video training product and that will go great. And then we will expand our services to help them with some more customized offerings. We also have as part of our L&D services, a change management solution that helps companies drive adoption of new technology or new business processes. And that really is huge for success at an organization that's going through a large scale migration. It's natural for people to have resistance to changes in the way that they work all of the time. And that component of the service we offer is so complementary to our learning and development services.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of companies that are resistant to change. How are you able to help them with your courses kind of implement new ways of thinking and innovating and modernizing their, their operations?
0: Yeah, I I think that the pandemic, first of all, uh, uh, it was obviously horrible but in terms of my fields learning and development it really was a great eye opener for a lot of companies uh, you know those of us in the field have been banging the drum for a while saying listen you know learning and development is no longer a nice to have inside of a company it's a need to have it goes directly to your bottom line and the pandemic really uh I, through force, right, made companies realize we have to change and adapt. You know, we, they they had they had no choice, right? People had to go into virtual meeting spaces. They had to learn how to work in online communities. They had to learn how to aggressively use the great collaboration tools that are now available. You know, whether you're using Google products or Microsoft products, they, you know, they all have embedded these great collaboration tools uh, and. The pandemic really forced companies to quickly move in that direction. And I think what we're also experiencing is companies now are coming to see that you can't wait before you embrace and adapt to new technology, new ways of working, because otherwise you're, you know, you're basically going to get caught sitting down. And that, that was true for a lot of organizations. I know We helped quite a few who were struggling greatly in the first year of the pandemic.
1: More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Diversity, equity, and inclusion continues to be a top priority for businesses everywhere. Open Sesame has created a survey that will give you insight into where your organization stands on diversity. Aside from being educational, this survey is a powerful tool to help you understand areas of improvement and spark conversations about strategies for creating a more inclusive and equitable workplace. After you take the short survey, you'll get access to Open Sesame's DEI Toolkit, an online hub where you can find additional resources. Visit OpenSesame.com today to start your survey. Back to Learning Unlocked, here's Brian Berger. The leadership at companies, they are the ones who make the decision on, you know, is this a need to have or a want to have, as you put it? And do you find that leadership at most organizations is coming to the reality like this is a need to have, we have to adapt or die?
0: So the short answer is yes. The longer answer is it kind of depends on the company and uh, their size and the industry that they're in. Now, having said that, I think uh, a a tandem occurrence with the pandemic is, you know, what people have referred to as the great resignation, which is really more like a great reshuffling. Uh, You know, people are, are, uh, they have options in the workforce now. We don't have enough skilled workers to fill all of the open jobs. So people can easily job hop to get whatever they want for, you know, for their working environment, whether it be permanent work from home or higher salary or whatever. But one of the leading things that statistics show individuals want are companies who are willing to invest in them, companies who are willing to help them advance their knowledge. This is particularly true for the younger generations. They're a little bit more dialed into the fact that change is pervasive and they need to keep constantly learning to stay on top of their skills. And so companies that don't offer constant learning and development opportunities for their staff are going to be hit and impacted more by this reshuffling that's continuing to go on. So savvy companies are recognizing that this is something they need to have baked into their not even just their benefits because I think when you look at it simply as a benefit, then you see learning as taking you away from your job. Companies that are going to succeed in this are the ones who recognize that training is part of your job. In order to be successful at your job, you need to be constantly reskilling and upskilling because everything is changing around us so fast. So fast, you can't wait.
1: Yeah, it's a great point. There is, I like how you call it a reshuffle because there are so many employees that are hopping around. And you're right. If if companies aren't investing in their employees' learning, they're going to go somewhere else where they can get those skills. Right. Exactly.
0: And then for those companies that are suffering that sort of uh, drain from their their human resources. What they're left with are individuals who now need to be cross-trained in somebody else's job because, you know, they, they have a hard time filling the position or someone's leaving the position. So that becomes a, a training event as well. And, and then long term, whomever you hire, let's say you're lucky enough to find that unicorn that has all the skills you want to fill a particular role. Again, those skills are going to be obsolete over a period of time. So you have to, again, even continue to invest in those individuals that come in with the full set of services that you're looking for.
1: I know it's not one-size-fits-all, and there's a lot of different companies, but in general terms, what are some of the most important skills that employees can have today as you see it?
0: Yeah, so uh, again, it really it's, it depends on on the role, right? Some skills have a greater need for technical skills. Right. Others have a greater need for, uh, you know, what we call soft skills or business skills, however you want to define them. However, having said that, I think that a strong ability to use collaboration tools within your organization. So whatever your organization uses, whether it's Teams uh, and and the Microsoft products, if it's the Google products, if, if a company is more a Slack company. Um, Really having a strong understanding of how these particular tools work to create a collaborative ecosystem is critical. And I'm going to tell you, you know, I've been in and out of a lot of companies and some do it really well. Some do it okay. And Some of them kind of have lip service to it. People are still using these tools, but they're using them in silos, right? They don't see it more as an ecosystem. And I think getting folks to understand how all of these tools work to create an environment is critical. So I think that would be one thing that would be universal regardless of what your job would be. Uh, I also think that in terms of, of soft skills, there are a few that are really key. I think one of them is uh, good listening skills. So we've uh, you know, we been developing some courses in, in that area based on not only demands that we've heard from customers, but also what we see in our own business. You know, that the staff who thrive and grow are really the ones who understand that communication isn't just about talking, right? It's also about listening and teaching people how to listen. Uh, and then the other one that I would call out to thats really po- actually two more that are really popular. One is cybersecurity. We know that cyber threats are uh, are a threat to any business. So having uh, having folks who are really understand how to protect themselves and the company from cybersecurity threats are huge. And then also emotional intelligence um, is is I think really important now. And and that goes a lot to understanding how to function and thrive in the constant changing environments that we live in individuals that have high emotional intelligence tend to do better. So that's something that companies
1: are really interested in as well. Without giving away the course, I'm really interesting or interested in the, in the listening skills. How do you become a better listener?
0: (laughs) Well, I am actually not the designer or developer on that course, (laughs) but I can talk about it a little bit. Uh, Essentially it's part of a broader, series of classes on communication skills in general, right? And I think oftentimes when people talk about communication courses, they're talking about, you know, how to be a better uh, uh, verbal communicator, how to be a better written communicator, you know, some of the rules of communicating, the different types of communicating based on, you know, who your intended audience is. But part of that, that we're including is a, a, a course on how to be a better listener, Because if you're not uh, an active listener, right? If you're not present in the moment and listening to what someone else is saying to you and all you're doing is preparing your next response, you are not gonna give probably the correct response or the best response because you're not taking in the communication that's being delivered to you. You're not hearing the full message. So having that patience and, and slowing down, which is part of it too, right? to be able to take in the information that's being given to you before you react or respond is really critical. So that, that piece of it, we're layering into
1: communication training. Yeah. I think it's so important. And I think it's an underrated skill that people are so worried about what are they going to say, or I've got some, a deadline coming up and, and everyone's just running around crazy that they don't take the space and the time to actively listen. So I think that's a great course. I'd be interested in watching that. Oh, great. All right. So I want to go back to something you said earlier. You talked about the length of courses, and we've talked about that on this podcast before. It seems like, you know, everyone's busy. People have ADHD. Our attention spans are shorter than they've ever been before. So you talked about like a two to five minute course What's the recipe for compelling content beyond just the length of the course? Yeah, that's a great question. I talk about this all the time with my team. They want to, you know, they,
0: and also with clients who say, you know, I, I need a course that's 10 minutes, 10 minutes long, right? And I always say, okay, well, wait a minute. That's a little bit like the tail wagging the dog, right? Like, what are the learning objectives? Can we learn what they need to learn within 10 minutes or do we need to, Break this up further, and and you know uh, maybe make it more than one course as an example. Uh, so it's it's a constant struggle with that, right? With especially I loved what you said about attention spans. I think uh, what's the statistic now that our attention
1: span is that of a goldfish. I mean, it's like uh, seven seconds.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. So the trick really is to get them fast, right? Get them hooked fast and. In my experience, my, my long years of experience doing this work, for adult learners, the number one thing you need to give them is the why. If you don't explain to them why this is important to them, they've already checked out. Hmm. So the why needs to be there soon, up front, present right away. Make it real for them. With customized training, we always contextualize it for either their job role or their company. On a broader scale, we try to look at it and apply it to a particular skill or outcome to give them the why so that we hook them, right? So that we've got their attention for longer than seven seconds. One of the other things that we do with our video product is we leave the face of the trainer on the screen all the time. We try to avoid going to voiceover narration only, uh, which a lot of companies do. We try to limit that to just really seconds of time if there's something we want to show that really would require more of the full screen. And that's really based partly on communication sciences and the way humans are wired. We're wired as social beings. So we're drawn to human faces. So, you know, anybody who's done website development or anything like that, you know, that they've done testing and they've done heat maps for. websites to see where are people's eyes drawn first. And it's always to faces. So by leaving the person on the screen all the time, we try to capture that extra level of engagement, that extra hook to keep them in the learning longer. And you know, we feel like we're having great success with that. The feedback that we're getting is extremely positive. And we tend to have longer on average time spent in courses than other companies that don't
1: do that. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Open Sesame helps companies develop the world's most productive and admired workforces. How? By having the most comprehensive catalog of e-learning courses from the world's top publishers, publishers like Ted and Harvard. And having courses that cover learning topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership development, safety and compliance, and wellness. Try a course for free today by visiting opensesame.com backslash course of the week. back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. I got to tell you, I mean, I've hosted dozens of these conversations on this podcast. You're the first person who's brought that up. and, And I think it's brilliant. And I agree with you that people do relate to the faces and it sounds like you have the science to back it up. So it's a really good point for people doing learning and development that, you know, leaving the face up and not cutting away and not going to voiceovers is a really important element of developing Uh, content
0: one of the things that we look at all the time is we say technology is great but it doesn't eliminate or uh it, it it doesn't mean that we don't still look at things that have worked well in the past right things have worked well traditionally for a reason uh in some cases you know we still do the same things because it's what everybody has always done but if you you know i i'm Really want to examine what has come before, and keep what works. What works from an evidence-based perspective. Um, It's probably—I said I was a a liberal arts major. It's probably the historian in me. I had a degree, (laughs) so it's probably a little bit of that. Um, But you know, I think it's important because oftentimes we think that technology is the panacea. It's the answer for everything, and it's an answer for a lot of things. But it's not going to eradicate you know millennium of evolution of humans there are things that we are still drawn to based on biologically who we are and that can work for us if we pay attention to it
1: all right we've got just a few minutes left you've talked about what you're doing currently we've talked about where learning has come from if you look into your crystal ball where is learning going i mean a couple of years ago before the pandemic, we didn't imagine what we would be doing right now because we didn't see a pandemic coming. But let's say there's not another pandemic and things you know, remain semi-normal. What lies ahead with learning?
0: So glad you asked that question because I am very excited about the future for learning in the corporate space, much more so now than I probably have ever been in my career. And I think that's because I'm starting to see all around us companies wake up to the realization that training is a need now. It's a must. It has to be part of your business plan. So that excites me. Now, in terms of what does that look like, uh, I think there are a lot of exciting things on the horizon. I think there is huge potential now for augmented and virtual reality. We're going to be doing significantly more in that space. Uh, In fact, at IntelliZ, we are actively moving towards uh, looking at how we can add virtual reality content to our video library. So, you know, starting to have an off-the-shelf content for VR. um, I think as the headsets come down in price, headsets become more ubiquitous, smaller, more streamlined, it's going to become a de facto way in which we train. Wow! And there's so many things we can do in that space that you know, we can't do easily. Uh, you know, uh, one of the customers are working with and talking to right now, they work in the construction field and they install these particular products they make and they, they're they expensive. And when they're installed improperly, the customers want a refund. So how do you give people the opportunity to repeatedly try to install something that's expensive so they get good enough at it that customers don't complain? BR is the perfect solution. So I think, you know, we're going to see a ton in in that space as well.
1: All right, last question for you. I read in your bio that you're working on a novel. I need to know about this. What's your novel about? Is this like a real thing or is this just kind of a, a joke thing at the end of your bio?
0: No, it actually is a real thing. I enjoy creative writing as a, as an outlet. And uh, I, years ago, I started to, I had a um, a. Uh, my my first real job right was i worked at a dairy queen and i just had so many crazy stories about things that happened you know working at at a dairy queen that i thought well i'm gonna i'm gonna put it together as like a memoir i think there's enough funny anecdotes people will like it well as i started writing it i realized i have a terrible memory and i could remember some of the big things but i couldn't remember the little details so it quickly morphed into fiction so it's basically the story of a sort of a coming of age story of a girl who worked uh, in a Midwestern dairy queen and the events uh, 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 pivotal events that happened to her in one particular summer of her
1: life. I love it. When do you think you might get it done?
0: Well, I have the first draft totally done. And that probably sounds like, wow, Pam, you're really far, but if you talk to people who write novels, they say that when you get the first draft done, it means that you've arrived at the foot of the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I I actually um, I actually just started a, a master's degree program. So the the novel is going to have to wait a little while.
1: All right. Well, I look forward to reading it once it's done. And and I like those kinds of reads. Uh, you know, kind of gives you uh, some memories of your own, maybe of your first job, or uh, it's just a glimpse into real world. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I would enjoy reading it. Pam Conway, Chief Learning Officer, Intelezzi, uh, intelezzi.com. Thank you so much. This is really insightful, some really helpful nuggets for our listeners. And I appreciate you joining me on the Learning Unlocked podcast. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Learning Unlocked, presented by Open Sesame. Download this and every episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learning Unlocked is produced by Griggs Productions.